1: Hello again, Giants fans, and welcome back to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today is your Monday, March 8th edition of the podcast. Tomorrow is the franchise tag deadline, March 9th, and we know that your New York Giants have a major decision to make when it comes to whether or not to franchise tag Leonard Williams on if they're going to do that sometime between now and uh Tuesday afternoon they're also going to have to make some roster moves to clear space for the the 19.4 million dollars that it would cost them against the salary cap to uh, to tag Leonard Williams. We're going to talk about Williams. We're going to talk about free agency. We're going to talk about all of that here uh, in just a minute. Also wanted to let you know that a little bit later in the show, I'll be playing for you an interview that I did with NFL writer Sheil Kapadia of The Athletic as we talk a lot about uh, about free agency about the giants about what's coming up here uh in the next couple of weeks we'll get shield's opinion on a lot of the uh, the free agent moves that the giants are going to to have to consider here in the next couple of weeks but uh, but before we get to that interview let's talk giants let's talk franchise tag let's talk leonard williams Anyone that's been reading Big Blue View or listening to me here on the Valentine's Views podcast understands that I am not at all in favor of franchise tagging Leonard Williams. To be to be really brutally honest with you, I would rather lose him than franchise tag him. I really want him to remain a Giant, but I really do not want to see the Giants franchise tag Williams. I know that Shield happens to disagree with me and we'll hear his reasoning for that a little bit later on but my particular take on this is look it's a year when the cap is going down the Giants cut two players last week in Golden Tate and David Mayo and still only have around 8 million in cap space to get to 20 million you they're going to have to cut a couple more players and then if you if you use a $19 million salary cap tag on Leonard Williams. That charge goes on your cap immediately. Basically, free agency is over for the Giants at that point. They really have little to no chance at that point of retaining players. They have no real chance of signing any other impact players. The only realistic way that the Giants can do anything this offseason season other than bring back Leonard Williams, is to get Williams to sign a long-term contract that allows the Giants to keep the cap hit down in the 2021 season. So, you know, we will see how all of that plays out. You know, one of the things that that we heard Friday, we've been hearing the last few days, also is in regards to the future of Giants offensive guard Kevin Zeitler. And if, if you guys read the... uh the off-season free agency slash draft plans for offense and defense that I posted over the weekend at Big Blue View. You already know, you know where, where I stand on Kevin Zeitler. He's a good player. I'd like to have him back, but you cannot in this market pay a guard $12.5 million unless he is an all-pro guard. And while Zeitler is a good player— He's not that. He's a good player, but this market is going to be flooded with good veteran players who are going to be needing jobs and going to be willing to accept far less than $12.5 million to uh, to play someplace. I believe that the Giants can cut Zeitler and then go out and find a low cost cost effective quality veteran guard in free agency probably on a one year deal or on a low cost couple you know, maybe two year deal and and wind up you know getting a good player and not paying what they're paying for Kevin Zeitler some folks have talked about restructuring Zeitler but you're talking about a, a guy who's i believe 31 years old and that's not old for a guard, but his ninth season, he's in he's been in the NFL for nine years. Twenty twenty was the worst season of Zeitler's NFL career. Very hard having seen you know his performance drop off in 2020. Very difficult to stomach the idea of restructuring Zeitler's contract to lower the twenty twenty-one cap hit and add maybe two more years to it. And the question is do you really want to be tied to Zeitler for two more years? So for me that's a deal where you just have to move on. Unfortunately, um the salary cap, the 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 state that uh that the Giants finances are in right now and and there are a lot of teams worse off than the New York Giants. So I'm not saying that the Giants did a bad job here. No one could have planned for a pandemic. No one could have planned for the cap to go down. That's something that has never happened since the cap was instituted, I believe, in 1994. The cap has gone up every single season. So this is the the first time that NFL teams will ever deal with a cap that will be reduced. So all NFL teams are going to have to make some moves That they probably would rather not make here, that they would probably they're going to be getting rid of some players that they would rather keep. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But I would anticipate whether it's in the next day or two, or at least without any doubt, before the March seventeenth start of the official free agency signing period, you're going to see the Giants move on from players like Kevin Zeitler, perhaps Nate Solder probably some less expensive veterans like Cody Core, Levine Tua, Lolo, and some other players the Giants just have to make some moves to free up some space so that they can go out and, and try to upgrade some of the uh, some of the positions of, of weakness that uh, that we've all talked about edge rusher, wide receiver, maybe the offensive line, um you know, maybe second cornerback if they can find somebody Maybe a linebacker to pair to play next to Blake Martinez, although I don't think that's a real high free agent priority. We'll see, you know, we'll see what the Giants think, but they're going to have to make some moves here and we'll see how all of that plays out. All right, Giants fans. Let's do this. I think you've you've listened to me pontificate long enough about the uh, the Giants and free agency here. Let's take a, a brief break for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When I come back, I will play for you the interview that I did with Shiel Capadia of the Athletic. All right, Giants fans, we are back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. And I am joined now by Sheil Kapadia of The Athletic as we look ahead to, to NFL free agency. And, and and I have to admit, Sheil, I have been looking forward to talking to you for, for quite a while now, ever since you, you wrote your nine guidelines to avoiding free agency disaster about a year or so ago. And, and I've been looking forward to, to getting you on the show ever since. So, so I'm glad to have you with, with us today.
2: It's good to be here. You know, I just did a a Washington football team podcast. And uh, earlier this week, I did our uh, Philadelphia Eagles podcast. And now we're doing uh, the Giants. So uh, if anyone in Dallas is listening, we can round out the whole uh, NFC East here before... Free agency starts. I was going to say it's it's NFC East week for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Not the uh, I guess not the best offseason or or best season to be coming off of for that, but um, certainly teams that could be uh, active and make some moves in the weeks ahead. So it should be fun.
1: Uh, it's always interesting, winning or losing or whatever. The NFC East is is always always interesting, and and I actually I, I reached out to you initially about a year ago when you wrote the the nine guidelines, because folks, you know, I've been doing big blue view forever. Now I've been doing big blue view for 14 years now. <laughs> so, so, so it's a, it's a long time to be doing this. And I do a thing called the big blue view rules for draft success. And I'd never actually put together a complimentary piece on free agency. So this really caught my attention and, you know, I kind of, you know at some point wanted to get a chance to relate some of some of that to you know to the giants and, and, and to how you think the giants should approach free agency and and, and how they've done you know in recent years so we, let's let's start with let's start with this though are we expecting the cap between 180 and 185 at this point that's that's what i've that's what i've been reading and i think that's there's nothing official on that as we record this on on friday But uh, but that looks like where we're going to be, right?
2: I think that's right, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, people that uh, are smarter than me have told me that they think the top level free agents, those top tier guys who you see get signed right away, that this is not really going to affect them. That you know those guys are still going to get the monster deals. It could be the middle tier guys and, and especially teams cutting players or releasing players here in the next two weeks where there could be, you know, a, a larger group of players, starting caliber players uh, who are available, than you might see in a typical year. So you might see guys signing uh, one year contracts or two year contracts at a lower value than maybe they would in a typical season. So there's a lot of projecting going on with, with NFL front offices with, with this lowered salary cap.
1: Right. And I think that, that, from my perspective I was thinking about this and this really the way I look at it puts a real emphasis on the guys in front offices like with the Giants it's Kevin Abrams who does a lot of the contract work and the other the other piece is there are going to be a lot of guys out there a lot of those mid-level guys out there who aren't usually out there and to me a lot of success or failure in free agency and, and teams being able to, to help themselves in 2021 comes back to pro personnel departments and guys figuring out which, you know, which guys fit what they want to do. I mean, you, do you agree that this is really a, a test for, for a lot of these pro personnel people?
2: I think that's right. And really, if you look at the teams that um, get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, there are always those key free agents that they signed, you know, this, I don't think free agency is an area where you go crazy and build your entire team by it. But I also don't think it's an area where you sit it out and say, no, that's not for us. We're just going to build to the, through the draft. There is a middle ground where really the key to me for free agency is to fill needs on your roster so that you can really go into the draft and just get the, the most talented, the best players on your board. I think that's a key for having success. So you're kind of setting the floor at a lot of different positions. And what you just mentioned, is absolutely right. You know, there are going to be uh, pro personnel people who have to have their boards ready. You've got to be able to adjust quickly here because you might have um, a ranking this week and then all of a sudden, three players get released and you've got to know uh, everything about them and, and where they rank and, and how interested you might be because remember the guys who get released they can sign right away they don't have to wait until March 17th you know like JJ Watt he was able to sign right away and so you're gonna have to be able to uh, react very quickly and, and this is going to be a big time for them
1: that's a good point so the the reality of it is that with guys like the Giants you know, releasing golden Tate and David Mayo, the reality of it is we are already in free agent season as teams, as teams release guys. So things can happen. Uh, a lot of things can happen, you know, to the, to the, to the, uh to the, to the good side or to the detriment of, of teams between now and the 17th.
2: That's right. And if, if you're a player like golden Tate, you know, you probably want to sign somewhere, before free agency starts, you know, before teams have other options about who they can go after before they talk themselves into, um, some of these other players. So, uh, I think that's right. And it's sort of a, it's a tricky game for NFL front offices. You know, you might want a free agent, uh, once the March 17th period begins, but there are going to be other teams in competition for a lot of those players. And so you can't guarantee everything. And so you've got to decide, do we sign someone before then who might not be as good, or do we wait and gamble a little bit?
1: Right. And, you know, you you also talked a little bit about, about free agency and, and, you know, winning teams using free agency well. And, you know, fans get all excited about free agency and the big names and the splashy signings. And this sort of gets into, you know, the, the guidelines that that, uh, that you had put together. But it's not necessarily how much you spend because it's not – Winning the free agency period. It's, it's spending your money the right way. It's getting the right guys. It's not getting the most guys or spending the most money that, that helps you in free agency. Is that that the way you look at it as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think, I think most of the time, if we just did a study on the last 10 years, which team spent the most, which teams got guys in the top five, you know, it would not always correlate to success. Now there are some years, I think the bucks were probably the exception last year where they go out and they get Tom Brady and they win the Super Bowl. But, you know, typically a quarterback of that caliber is not available on the free agent market and you're addressing a different position and you're really pet, you're, you're paying at the top of the market, you know, that. That's the one area when a guy hits the open market, there's an open bidding war for him and whoever gets him is the team typically that paid the most for him. So it's different than uh, trading for a player. It's different than extending your own players. It's different than the draft in that respect. And so it is a tough way to build your team. But still, like I said, there is still a place for it um, to fill out your roster and maybe find some value.
1: And you know, I'm 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 scrolling through uh, the guidelines that that you had posted, and and I'm actually uh, sort of going from the bottom here. And and one that I look at that that really sticks out to me with this market that we're entering is don't shy away from the one year deals. I I think that in this market, I think there's going to be a ton of players willing to take the one year deals, and, and then. You know, bet on themselves and go back out in the market a year from now, when, when the cap should go back up. Um, you, you see the market that way as well, where you think there's going to be a lot more guys willing to take those, those one year kind of, you know, what, what we all call prove it deals. I think from a player perspective, absolutely.
2: You know, if you look at it and uh, you're not a top tier guy and you're not finding a, a multi-year contract with a lot of guaranteed money, like you had hoped for, and especially for guys who are maybe in their, uh, you know, mid to late twenties, then they can reenter the market next off season. Now, if you're like, you know, I don't know, 30 years old, or if you're worried about injury or decline, then you might be more likely to sign a longer term deal. Even if it's not, uh, at the same price that you were hoping for for, but these have to be from a team perspective, they've got to be low cost one-year deals. Cause remember if you're, if you're signing a player to a one-year deal, that's all on your cap for 2020. So uh, it's not like you can sign a guy to a higher number, but just for one year, because that's not going to be in your best interest. So I I think waiting on some of those one-year deals that might be low cost could really benefit uh, some of these teams. And listen, if the guy plays well, great. You've gotten a year of information. You know how he fits in your scheme in your locker room. You can look to extend him uh, even during next season or certainly after next season. You've got the franchise tag to use. You can tag and trade a player if he plays really well. And then there's, of course, the compensatory pick formula where if you sign a guy to a one-year deal, he's lights out. He walks in free agency. Well, you know you you should see a draft pick for that uh, down the road. So there are a lot of benefits to doing that.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, the uh, another rule that, that I, I wanted to, uh, to, to talk about here that, that you've mentioned or that in, in, your, uh, in your piece on, on the nine guidelines. And I think about the Giants when I'm looking at this rule, I think they're, they're, one of your guidelines is don't sign someone because he played well against your team. A few years ago, the Giants signed a linebacker named JT Thomas, who was a middling journeyman linebacker. But they signed him the year after he had the best game of his career You know, in a game against the Giants, so had a 10 or 12 tackle game. And, and the name that comes to mind for me this year is a guy that I like in free agency for the Giants who who need pass rushers. They need some help on the edge. Hassan Reddick is a guy that had... Eleven or twelve sacks this year, best season of his career, and, and yet five of those came in one game against the Giants when Daniel Jones was playing with with a, a severe ankle injury when he probably should have been uh, should have been sitting that game out because he couldn't move. Um, do you? I mean, just specifically apply that rule to a guy like Reddick. Do you I mean do you see him as a, a guy like that as a quality target for the Giants or a guy you'd be leery of?
2: Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a good rule because coaches will watch the film of these games. And they'll just keep writing down the same uh, opponent's name and the same opponent's number and say, this guy just absolutely wrecked us. And then they'll have a talk with uh, the GM and the GM will say, well, you know, he's a free agent at the end of the season. And all of a sudden it's, wow. You know, you, you can just so easily picture that guy on your team and in that scheme. And, and that can be a mistake. I mean, it's such a small sample. You just mentioned it. There are other factors in these one game samples. You cannot make grand decisions uh, in a vacuum like that. You've got to look at the bigger body of work. Uh, I think Reddick is a really interesting name. You know, I actually really like the player. Uh, I think he had success in in other games this season. Although you're right. That game obviously juiced up his sack total, but he's a guy who was kind of yanked around from different roles and different schemes in that Cardinals defense. You know, they had different defensive coordinators. They're playing him at off ball linebacker. Then they're moving him around. Then they're saying edge rusher. He was someone I thought who might even get traded before last season. Now, all of a sudden they keep him. He rushes the passer. They let him tee off, and he has a 12 and a half sack season. So I'm very interested to see what the market is going to be for a guy like that. You know, I look at it and think you could really talk yourself into him and say, well, it wasn't his fault. He didn't have success early on. It was more the coaching and the scheme. And once they cut him loose, he was really good and he's still young and he's really athletic. And I do think he would fit that giant scheme because he does have versatility. He can be a hybrid type player if you want to use him that way. So, um, Again, it all comes down to cost. You know, would I pay him uh, fifteen million dollars a year? No, I probably wouldn't do that. If it were uh, ten or twelve million dollars a year, uh, I think certainly he, he wouldn't. That wouldn't be a bad move for a team like the Giants.
1: You know, one signing that the Giants made a couple years back that Giants fans still gnash their teeth about is Nate Solder. The Giants paid him at the time, made him the highest-paid left tackle in football. I think everybody on the planet knew Solder wasn't the best left tackle in football. The Giants kind of felt like at that point they had to make a move. They had to do something, you know, to to sort of make a splash and maybe you know, show the fan base that they were invested in building that offensive line. And I'm sitting here staring at your rule. It says, beware of signing a guy who previously played for a great head coach or with a great quarterback, which obviously Nate Solder did in new England and he's never played as well for the giants a, a, as he did there and the the flip side of that is do you actually look for guys like the giants might be looking at wide receivers do you actually look for guys who who may not have had great quarterback play um, t- to help them um, as free agents and, and maybe look for a bargain in, in, in that way can it can it work the other way
2: uh, I think it can. Yeah, absolutely. At a, at a position like wide receiver, right. Where you're so dependent. Um, I've often talked about it. It's gotta be so frustrating to be a wide receiver. I mean, you can be doing your job and running your routes correctly and creating separation. And you know what, sometimes it doesn't matter. You don't get the ball thrown your way either. Cause the quarterback's not very good. The offensive line isn't very good. The coaching and the scheme isn't very good. So yeah, I do think it can work uh, the other way. And you know, the, the thing with Solder is it, it, it's not just that rule. You mentioned. I think another one I have here is don't fall in love, uh, with any player. And I think certainly if you're just looking at it like, Hey, we have to get this player no matter what. I mean, I thought that contract, when it was signed, you know, I'm sure a lot of people said, wait a minute, they're paying what? For Nate Solder uh, on this type of deal. And so you never want to get into a situation where you're just saying, Hey, we're getting this player regardless of the circumstance. I think CJ Mosley with the jets a couple of years back was another great example of that. I mean, they just got into this bidding war with the Ravens, the Ravens try to keep him. And all of a sudden, next thing, you know, they're paying like an off ball linebacker, $17 million a year. And everyone's going, are you, are you nuts? So uh, I think a couple of those things apply, but yeah, I think wide receiver is obviously a a position that the giants could address and maybe they don't go at the top of the market. Maybe they do find one of those middle tier guys. Like you mentioned,
1: you know, it's interesting when you talk about the don't fall in love rule, it leads me to thinking about Leonard Williams with the giants and the situation that the giants are in with him right now. Now I need to preface this by saying that I have said the, for the entire off season if the giants have a choice between leonard williams and dalvin tomlinson if they can only pay one of the two they have to pay leonard williams because of the fact that he has positional versatility up and down that line and because he impacts both the run and the pass while dalvin tomlinson although he's good at what he does has a more limited skill set that doesn't really include you know impacting The pass rush. The problem with that is now we're getting to the point where it's getting close to the franchise tag deadline. The franchise tag for Leonard Williams is $19.4 million if he's looked at as an interior defensive lineman and 21 point something if he's looked at as a defensive end, which is what he wants. I know he's filed a grievance over that, maybe filed a couple of grievances that have yet to be settled the the thing that i have said is to me in this market with the cap situation and all of that under no circumstances can the giants franchise tag leonard williams if they lose him they lose him that's you know that's i i'd like him to be a giant but they can't franchise tag him for the simple reason that i free agency is basically over for them if they do that um, w- would you agree with me that, that really the franchise tag for Williams, it would be a bad idea?
2: Well, uh, I think it depends on what else they do. You know, you, we look at some of these cap numbers now, but there still could be releases. There could be restructure. So I don't know how much cap space they expect to have when they need to be cap compliant and when free agency begins, uh, so I'll just play devil's advocate and say the, the case for franchising Leonard Williams is that last year was by far the best year and the most productive year of his entire career. And so you look at the year before, I know he he was still a quality starter, but he had, you know, half a sack the entire year and no one is paying a player um, 18 to 20, 17 to $20 million a year after coming off of a season in which they had Half a sack. Now, if you look at it this offseason, if Leonard Williams hits the open market, he's gonna get a deal in between, I think, 17 and 21 million dollars a year. You know, if you look at the floor for a player like Leonard Williams, it's probably Kenny Clark of the green Bay Packers. And he got 17 or 17 and a half million dollars a year. If you look at the ceiling, it's DeForest Buckner who got $21 million from the Indianapolis Colts last off season. So you would expect him to come somewhere in between there. So if you're the giants and you say, you know what, we can make moves to create some cap space. Uh, it's okay. We have the money to pay him $19 million per year then you could say, Let, let's just see if he can do it again. You know, we, we don't want to commit huge money to him based on one season. If he does it again uh, this in 2021 for us, then yeah, let's sign him at the absolute top of the market. This guy is a stud. He's a double digit sack guy. Like you mentioned, he can line up in different places, but it kind of buys you time a little bit. And so from that perspective, I don't think it's the craziest thing to do, but you're absolutely correct that it would limit what you can do uh, with other parts of your, roster to a degree
1: yeah the you know I I understand that argument Sheila I really do I just look at it and I think even now after having cut Golden Tate and David Mayo they're sitting around around eight million in cap space so there are there are reports out there that they're trying to trade Kevin Zeitler that they'll cut Kevin Zeitler you know, if, if they if they move on from Zeitler, that gives them another, I think 12 million. If they move on from Nate Solder, that's probably another six or so. Um, I just look at it and I think how much of your roster, how much of your roster can you gut and how many moves can you say, well, we'll just draft guys because we love this one player. And I love the player too. I just, is he to me? I just look at it and I wonder: Is he really worth sort of ending your free your 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 free agency right there?
2: It's a fair point, and then there is sort of a door number three here, and um, it, it's you know a bit of a tough one and a bit unpredictable. But the other option you would have is to tag him and then trade him. You know, don't let him walk in free agency. We've seen this happen with guys like. D. Ford, a couple of years ago, we saw it happen with uh, Frank Clark, and so this has happened in the pass rush market before where the team says, uh, All right, we're not going to be able to sign Leonard Williams to a long term extension, but we don't want to just let him walk in free agency and get that compensatory pick in a couple of years. We want to get something for him now in this free agency cycle. And so let's tag him. And then you go to Leonard Williams and you say, you know, your reps can talk to other teams. Is there a deal out there that you like? Is there a team willing to trade? Uh, I don't know, a second round pick uh, to acquire your services. Then we will go that route. But again, that's risky because it could be Leonard Williams say, you know, no, thank you. I, I don't want to play for any of these teams. It could be teams saying, why are we giving up a draft pick when we could just sign another player in free agency for a similar price? So, um, you know, I think that's something to keep in mind. It might not be the most likely scenario, but kind of just something to stash away a little bit.
1: Yeah. Good point. It becomes hard though, in this market with, with so many guys about to hit this market, I think too, with the, the mid tier guys that we've talked about, I, I just, at first glance, it might be it might be difficult to trade a guy because there's going to be, you know, a a a a high volume of, of players available. But, Sheila, I want to talk about maybe two more things quickly before I let you go. Um, I just want your general take on Dave Gettleman's tenure with the Giants on his free agency on the work that he's done you know in in his first 3 off seasons with the Giants
2: Yeah. You know, I don't have the uh, entire list of signings in front of me, but I, you know, I just going back to last year, I thought James Bradbury, I thought that was a reasonable signing that worked out really well. I mean, every time I watched James Bradbury last year, I thought he was one of the better corners in the entire NFL. So that's a situation where obviously the GM knew the player from his time in Carolina. And so there was less guesswork. And I thought that one uh, worked out really well. Obviously, Nate Solder, we talked about that one didn't work out well. I remember when they signed Golden Tate, I thought that was a puzzling move given that they already had uh, a slot receiver there in Sterling Shepard. So obviously that one did not work out well. Blake Martinez. I'll be honest. I was not high on that one. Uh, when they made the move, you know, in terms of off ball linebackers, I feel like you need to be elite in coverage. Now I know Martinez played well for them, uh, last year. So, you know, that, that is one where probably I was wrong and that that's a signing that ended up working out well for, uh, for Dave Kettleman.
1: And last thing for you, I don't know if you've, Really, really looked at the Giants and, and sort of matched up free agents who are available. Um, just, you know, we're talking about receivers, we're talking about edge rushers, um, maybe a second corner, and maybe, maybe some help on the offensive line, although I, I think that's probably more of a draft priority than a free agent priority. Just... Um, If you can, if you've got a couple just in in your from your perspective, a couple of names that you might connect to the Giants that you think make sense.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I I was looking at the Giants. I I try to look at every team here going into the free agency period to take stock of uh, where they are and what they could do. And the big thing that stood out with the Giants for me is that on both sides of the line of scrimmage, if you look at how they performed last year, you know, ESPN has the stat that it calls pass rush win rate or pass block win rate. I I don't know if you've uh, checked that out or not, but basically the idea is How often does the defense produce pressure within two and a half seconds? How often does the pass blocking hold up for two and a half seconds? Because as we know, there are quarterbacks who hold on to the football forever, and that's going to affect affect your sack numbers, your um, pressure numbers. And and it's the same thing uh, on the other side of the ball. You know, you could be producing a lot of sacks, but is that because the pass rush is good? Or is that because you're doing well in coverage? And for the Giants, they finished 32nd in both those categories that's in both both pass block win rate and pass rush win rate and so that tells me that there really does need to be a focus for them on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And so you talk about the offensive line, you know, it's not for lack of trying, they've dumped a lot of resources uh, into that, but I still think they've got to be better there. I I think certainly adding a right tackle could make sense for them. There are guys out there who, you know, like a Daryl Williams who, uh, you know, Gettleman knows from his time in Carolina, he played for the bills last year played really well. I don't think you're going to have to break the bank for him. Someone like that could make sense Uh, Taylor Moton, that's probably the top end of the right tackle market. Maybe they don't want to spend that much, but if they are going to spend, that wouldn't be a bad player to take a look at. And then Matt Filer is a guy who, you know, uh, will be much more of a low cost option, but he's played right tackle for the Steelers. He's played guard as well. And that's somebody who could come in and play right tackle for you. So I do think that they have to look at that guard uh, tackle market and say, which of the young players on their roster do they like? Uh, Which of the players do they think, they can upgrade from and then defensively I I will say is a little bit trickier because you look at the pass rush win rate it wasn't great but if you're coming from that Patriots mentality it is about coverage and it is about kind of making the quarterback hold on to the ball and scheming up pressure and so I do think they did a little bit of that last year if you bring back Leonard Williams then of course you're you're probably going looking, to be looking at uh, edge rushers you know you mentioned um, Hassan Reddick. Uh, could a guy like Kyle Van Noy who is expected to be released by the Miami Dolphins could that make sense for them do they shop in maybe the veteran market with a guy like Ryan Kerrigan who I'm sure you're uh, familiar with having played Washington twice every year you know he's not going to cost a lot of money he might be more of a situational pass rusher at this time but I do think think they've got to add a little bit more uh in terms of pass rush so that even if you are skimming it up do you have guys who can win those one-on-one battles and then i think the last area you mentioned uh was cornerback and certainly a second cornerback to add with Bradbury. berry would make sense, and you know there are going to be guys out there who aren't going to be too costly. Michael Davis is a player from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. He's 26 years old. He's kind of a number two corner who could have some upside. He's not going to break the bank. Uh, a guy like Ronald Darby, you know, he played with Washington last year on a one-year, three million dollar uh, deal. He certainly could make some sense. Uh, Chidobi Awuzie that's a a Dallas Cowboys corner who was injured last year. He might be one of those guys we talked about who take um, a one-year deal. And then whenever I think about this scheme, I just think of versatile defensive backs. You know, they signed Logan Ryan last year. And I think that school of defense, they want like as many of those guys as you can, you know, can you find a guy who plays free safety, strong safety, nickel, all that can match up with tight ends can do a lot. There are a lot of those guys on the market, you know, Cam Sutton and Mike Hilton from the Steelers. Those are two guys that, that could make sense. PJ Williams from the saints, Uh, Kevin Johnson, who played with the Browns last year. These are all guys who have experience playing slot corner, but not only slot corner, they can line up in some different places for you. So just as I, I know, I know I threw like a hundred names out, out there uh, at you, but when I look at it, um, at areas where they can kind of upgrade the roster, those are some of the areas I looked at with the giants.
1: Do me a favor. Email all those names to Dave Gettleman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I don't know. I don't know that he would welcome my
2: emails. Yeah, I don't know that I've been too kind (laughs) in my writing to him over the emails. That might go right to the spam folder for Dave Gettleman.
1: Oh, there you go. Hey, Sheil, thank you very, very much for for spending some time with me today. Really appreciate it. Uh, Why don't you uh, let folks know where they can find you on Twitter? Let folks know uh, what you've got coming up at the Athletic.
2: Sure. Yep. You can just find me uh, on Twitter. It's my name, Sheel Kapadia. And uh, you know, uh, on the athletic, if you don't subscribe, there are always specials available. There are seven day free trials and uh, I've got a couple things coming up next week. I'm going to be doing a, I think it's going to be a top 150 overall free agents. And so that's going to be like a master list that you can just go through. It's going to have blurbs on every player. You can look at and say, Hey, who fits the giants? Who fits my team? Where do some of them, those pending free agents, where do they rank? How much are these guys going to cost? I'm going to have all that in there. And then I'll have a piece uh, that I do every year with, with free agency prediction. So it's pretty much what we just did with the giants, but it'll be for every team. Hey, you know, it's just kind of a fun exercise. Hey, this guy would make sense with this team, given their cap's situation their needs that kind of thing and so uh it'll be fun I, I always like free agency the trade market and it should be really fun this year
1: hey, considering how fast things are changing at least you won't have to do that with pen and paper or with a typewriter yeah <laughs> exactly that will
2: be updated you're, you're absolutely right as guys get released uh and as guys get signed that'll turn into sort of a best remaining free agents piece so you're, you're right i'm glad we have 2021 technology for that
1: There you go. Hey, Sheila, thank you very, very much. And hopefully uh, we'll talk to you again.
2: Okay. Thanks for having me. Take care.
1: Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications, rate, review, let us know how you think we're doing. Also, please check out Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View, Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View, on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. And, of course, on our website, BigBlueView.com. All right. Thank you, as always, Giants fans. Please remember to stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.